Thank you for visiting Crosslink Community Church. We are located in Terre Haute, Indiana. For more information, please visit us online at cocchurch.com. Let's listen to one of our Sunday morning messages. Um, we, received, we returned yesterday from a mission trip to West Virginia, and um, we were really blessed. And you may kind of notice that we do focus on missions. Uh, we support missions all over the world. We take mission trips, and that's really to um, have an impact all over the world, but more importantly, have an impact on us, to, to kind of put us in a missional mind where we go out in our own community and become missionaries here. And this morning, we're uh, very blessed to have Rick and Kathy Walden. Um, they are missionaries that we support in Thailand, and we actually went and visited them uh, a few years ago, and um, we were just uh, very impressed with what they're doing over there, and I think you'll be impressed this morning when you hear them speak. Um, they're here this morning with uh, their daughter and their granddaughter, so... Um, I welcome uh, Rick and Kathy. Thank you. Good morning. It is good to be with you all again. Um, it's been a few years since Kathy and I have been back here and, and been here at Cross Lane, and uh, it's always good to, to come home. Kathy and I are from Indiana. Uh, I grew up in Richeville near Kokomo, and uh, Kathy grew up in Kokomo, and so um, we're Hoosiers. We're uh, we're one of you, and uh, we uh, it's always good to, like I said, to come back home and and share with you what God is doing in Thailand. And uh, as we begin this morning, Kathy and I want to do a couple of things. Uh, we want to update you on the work in Thailand and share with you what God is doing there and what he's doing through our family. Um, and as we do that, we also want to say thank you to all of you. You are our partners, and the reality is is that Kathy and I and our family could not be doing what God has called us to do in Thailand if it weren't for you, for people like you. And uh, we appreciate you so much. We love you. We need you. We need your partnership. We need more than just the finances that you give. We need your prayers, and we need your, um, your encouragement. Uh, we need you to, to be our cheerleaders and cheer us on. And this morning, part of what we want to do is cheer you on. It would be easy for Kathy and I to stand up here and tell you our story. And it is an amazing story. It's an amazing story what God has done through our lives. Um, I didn't graduate from Bible college. I'm a construction millwright. Kathy's an RN. And yet, through us, God said, hey, I'm going to take these guys off a farm in Indiana, and I'm going to use them to build my kingdom halfway around the world. And, uh, you know, I want you to know that that's what God wants to do in your life. You know, we know the Great Commission. Jesus said, therefore, go into all the world. Well, you know, really, that's not a good translation. What Jesus really said was, as you go into all the world as you go tell my story as you go to Walmart as you go to your class at school as you go to your next door neighbor as you go through life tell my story and you know I don't even call Kathy and I missionaries anymore I call us kingdom builders and the reason is is because we're all called to be kingdom builders whether we go halfway around the world to West Virginia or right here in Terre Haute. 
God wants us to build his kingdom. So this morning, I want to cheer you on. I hope that as you hear our story and what God has done through us, that you'll hear his story and what he wants to do through you this morning. Well, Kathy and I want to welcome you to Thailand. Uh, some of you have been there, and uh, I think uh, you're planning on another team coming very shortly. And so we're always excited to have uh, our brothers and sisters from Indiana especially come and see what God's doing in Thailand. It is known as the land of smiles. Um, we have a saying about Thais. Thais, they're always smiling, whether they're happy with you, pleased with you, or whether they're very mad at you. And we often say that a Thai, when he stabs you in the back, he's still smiling. <laughs> so, so the smiles are not always genuine, but it is, is the land of the smiles. It's an amazing country. Thailand has about 65 million people in the country. Uh, it sits between, um, uh, on our western border is Burma, or Myanmar, as it's called now. And I think many of you, because of what's been in the news lately, know what's going on there. And then on our eastern border is Laos and Cambodia, and a little farther Vietnam. And uh, most of the work that I do is uh, up in the northern part of the country on the border with Laos in a province called Non Province. And I uh, want to share with you, Chiang Mai is, is in the very northern part. It's the second largest city uh, in Thailand. Of course, Bangkok, that you just saw, is the largest. Uh, with about 10 to 12 million people. And our city has about 175,000. So, as I said, it's the second largest city, but it's pretty small compared to Bangkok. Chiang Mai has changed. Kathy and I have, have been in Thailand now for 20 years. This is our 20th year. And uh, it is amazing how much the city has changed. You saw Ronald McDonald a little bit ago. You know, when Kathy and I first got to Thailand, first got to Chiang Mai 20 years ago, there was one store in the whole city where we could even buy bread. That was at Mrs. Kasim's, and uh, she's still there today. And uh, we could buy bread from her store, and every now and then she would make potato chips, and that was a real treat. <laughs> well, now we've got McDonald's and Burger King and Pizza Hut and, and malls, so uh, it has really changed in 20 years. Well, this is our, our barn, or our house, and... Uh, we live in a neighborhood just uh, south of the airport in Chiang Mai and uh, close to the international school where our kids are attending right now and where I serve on the board. And uh, yeah, things are quite different. Um, we call these squatty potties, so I'll let you figure out why. <laughs> we have, uh, yeah, we have lots of neighbors. Our granddaughter who's with us today, uh, a few years ago on her birthday, we had an elephant show up at our house, and so she thought that was her personal birthday present, so she, it was, she was pretty excited about that. As I said, we depend on you all to really help us to do the work that God has called us to do, and uh, even providing things like a clothes dryer, which you just saw a minute ago. Kathy hasn't had a clothes dryer in 20 years, so that was a real blessing for her. Well, language is not a problem, <laughs> as long as you can read signs. <laughs> well, we want to travel on to Pua. As I said, most of the work that I'm doing, and Kathy's going to share the work that she does in Thailand in just a little bit, but my, the heart of my heart is church planning, and that's what I really love doing. And we have been working with the Luwak people 
the Luat tribe who live along the border between Thailand and Laos uh, in a province called Non Province. And uh, it is beautiful country. It is very mountainous, about five to 6,000 feet up. Uh, it's mostly jungle. Uh, the Luat people that we work with are farmers. They're former communists. During the Vietnam War, they were communist guerrillas, and uh, they were fighting an insurgency war in that part of Thailand. And so our work is mainly in these communist resettlement villages. And uh, God has just really given us a tremendous opportunity. Uh, these people, because they were communist, they're not Buddhist. Thailand is 97% Buddhist. But our people, uh, because of their communist indoctrination, never, never believed in Buddha. But they did keep their animistic beliefs. They do continue to worship the spirits. And so we, uh, we have had a tremendous opportunity with them because we're not having to deal with the Buddhist aspect. And it's really neat. When I first go into a village for the first time, what I'll begin doing is talking about their spirit worship. And I make a connection with them. Right away, they understand that I understand their spirit world. I understand the world that they live in and, and the, the things that they deal with in trying to appease all these evil spirits. And then from there, I'll begin sharing about a good spirit, a holy spirit, a spirit that doesn't require any type of sacrifice. And many times, the shaman or the witch doctor will tell them that to appease a certain spirit, they have to sacrifice a pig or a chicken or something like that where there is blood that is shed. So it's a natural, natural door into their world to bring the gospel. Well, we have a lot of leaders among our Pua churches. Uh, Prawit here, this young man in the white shirt, is my team leader, one of my best friends. He is a brother in the Lord and just a tremendous young man as he leads his own people over there now. And, and I am really giving him a lot more responsibility with the churches uh, along the border there. Uh, Ajahn Ekapad in the blue shirt heads up our, our ministry team in Chiang Mai. He's been a, a pastor for about 34 years and has a lot of experience. We do a lot of leadership training in our villages. Right now we have seven churches along the border of Thailand and Laos. And uh, we do a, a lot of leadership training, not only with our, with our preachers, but with our lay leaders, our elders and our deacons, as well as a lot of, of uh, ministry with our women in our churches as well. In Chiang Mai, uh, we have a training center where we are now training these families to be, basically to be missionaries, to be church planners themselves. And uh, we bring the families in for a whole year at a time. And they live right there at our center, and we give them training, uh, not only in how to plant churches, but now we're beginning to do training uh, in business as well. And uh, one of the things we're doing now is called Business as Missions, and we are setting our young preachers up in small micro-businesses where they can be self-supporting. We do a, a lot of our, especially in the early years uh, when we would, have people in a village come to the Lord while we would have uh, our church services in their homes and we still do that in many places 
but when we can, we like to build. Like I said, I'm a construction millwright. I love building. It's one of my passions, one of the things that I love to do. And from the very beginning, I've had a team of, of ties that I've trained uh, in construction and how to build. And so we've built churches. We've built orphanages. Uh, we built homes for tsunami victims, which you're going to see here in just a little bit. So God, God takes the gifts that we have. He will take the gifts, the natural abilities that you have, and God will use those to build his kingdom if you're willing and, and open to do that. This was a, a grand opening of the church that you just saw a little bit ago. Uh, over here on, on uh, your left is Dr. David Philbeck. He's one of my co-workers. Uh, Dr. Philbeck has been in Thailand for almost 50 years now. And it was a real, real treat for him and for me to have him up there as he was one of the pioneer missionaries in that area of Thailand. Uh, you'll notice there's a, a Buddhist monk on my right uh, as I'm getting ready to cut the ribbon. And then on my left are some government dignitaries. And uh, when we have a, a special event like this, it's important to invite all these special people to come and be a part of that. And so they showed up. And uh, so that day, they got to hear the gospel message. And uh, the Buddhist monk stayed for the whole service. So who knows what God's going to do? It's amazing how God will open doors. Well, as I said, without churches like you and, and our other supporting churches here in uh, north central Indiana and southern Indiana, uh, it would be hard to do the work God has called us. And we really appreciate all of you. Well, we do have a, a, a church camp. Kathy and I grew up at Rainbow Christian Camp, and back then it was called Pearson's Mill. And our camp sits in the heart of the Golden Triangle. It sits right up uh, about 10 miles from Burma, on the border with Burma. And uh, as I said, if you've been following the news, you know there's an awful lot of fighting and, and uh, really ethnic cleansing that is going on in Burma. And it is a tragic, tragic situation. We have a lot of the refugees, people that are fleeing from Burma, that are now building homes right next to our church camp. And uh, we have a tremendous opportunity to minister uh, to these people. And again, we do have a lot of uh, our Thai co-workers are very, very special. Here you see Suntan and Noi and Moses and Goy. Suntan and Noi are our camp managers. Suntan is also my construction foreman. And he is my best friend in Thailand. Uh, Suntan and I have been working together for 18 years, and uh, I just love him. He's a very, very special man. Moses and Goy are the pastor. Moses is the pastor of the church, which you see in the background. So our, our uh, chapel, our church on the campgrounds, is also the church for the local community there. And so we have a tremendous opportunity to reach out into the community through the camp. One of the micro-businesses that we have set up is with Suntan on his property right next to the church. And he is now making mortarless blocks. Uh, they're, they're blocks that are made out of dirt, crushed dirt, sand, and Portland cement. And they're like a Lego block. You snap them together. You don't use mortar. And Suntan is making about 4,000 blocks a month, and he has hired three full-time workers from the community. So that's... One of, the, one of the things that we're trying to do. And now I do not give any money to the camp up there at all. The camp is totally self-supporting. 
and uh, that's, that's exciting. It's been 20 years that we've been working on this camp, and to know now that they can completely go on by themselves is, is very exciting for us. A lot of kids. Um, whenever we have teams come over, we like to take teams up to the camp, and just about every day there will be about 25 to 35 kids at the camp. And a lot of times when we have teams come in, it'll jump to 85 to 100 kids at the camp. So the village kids kind of come out of, the, out of the woodwork. Usually when teams come over, I always have a project, uh, some kind of a building project uh, for the teams to do. And uh, this year we had a team from Park Chapel in Greenfield, Indiana, that came out. And uh, there you can see a picture of them. And we expanded our dining hall and kitchen area. So just some of, the, some of the things that we get to do. Well, the tsunami really opened up a door for me back in 2005 to do something I had never done, which is disaster work, uh, disaster relief work. And uh, it's an amazing, amazing thing how God worked all that out. That happened in the very southern part of Thailand, down on the peninsula, an area that is heavily Muslim. Uh, it's an area where not very many missionaries are working. Uh, it's an area that I would never go to except for vacation. Uh, would never have gone there to, to, to do God's work. But um, God just opened up a tremendous opportunity through the tsunami uh, to be able to go down and, and get into those people's lives and in a way that, that uh, would not have happened, I don't believe, through any other open door. And uh, it was really interesting in those early days right after the tsunami just to sit and listen to the stories of what these people went through in those tragic moments when those waves hit southern Thailand. We uh, found many people living in homes like this. They literally fled to the mountains. Uh, that part of Thailand is very beautiful. You have your beaches and you go about a mile inland, and then it's mountains straight up. Uh, it's just amazing country. And the people pretty much moved up the mountains after the wave hit, and uh, many of them were afraid, and many of them even to this day will not live next to the water. Well, we began by building boats. Uh, my coworker Walter Ridgely, uh, contacted Ides out of Kempton, Indiana, and uh, Ides funded the building of about 30 to 34 boats. And we felt it was important at the beginning to, to rebuild these boats and get these people back on the water uh, doing what they do best, which, which is fishing, and uh, helping them to, to get back to their livelihood. After that, we began building homes. I brought my construction guys down, Soon Ton and our team, and uh, we built 11 homes over 18 months. And uh, again, IDES uh, funded every one of these homes. And uh, we put about $4,000 into each home. And they're very nice, very nice little homes, little two-bedroom two bungalows like you see here. Well, after completing that work, then I move, moved uh, out to working on an island called Elephant Island or Galchang. And uh, this was with the, uh, the sea gypsies, the Mogan people. And uh, very, very challenging work. These people are some of the most primitive people I have ever been around. And uh, this is a, a project that I did in conjunction with uh, Campus Crusade. And they sent a bunch of college kids in and, and built these wooden homes that you saw, built 30 of them. 
And then uh, Campus Crusade asked our guys to come in and, and build a church. And so we did. And uh, the first, our first week out there, I took out 40 tons of building material out to this island. It's about 25 miles off the mainland. And uh, I took out a big barge. I hired this great big barge. And we put 40 tons of building materials in it. Got out to the island, and there's no dock, no pier, nothing. And so they would pull the barge in like we did this smaller boat and wait for the tide to go out and beach it right there next to, uh, to the, where the homes were. And then we unloaded all that building material. Well, it took us four days to unload that barge, and it was a lot of work, nasty work. But it was fun. We built the, this is part of the church coming up right here. Up on, we built it up on a higher elevation up above the village. And um, the, uh, I could stay about five days at a time. That was my limit. Plus, that was about all the ice, water, and food I could carry out there on a boat. But um, this is our son Sam on the right and one of his friends uh, from the international school on the left. I took them out for a couple weeks and... Uh, you know how teenage boys are. He was, <laughs> it was about all he could handle being out there. But it was a good experience. There's a good picture of the village and then the church up on top. And literally, this island is a mountain. I mean, it's a mountain straight up. Uh, we had to deal with huge snakes. I never seen so many snakes, not even on the mainland as we had there. I ate squid. We ate, uh, oh my gosh, they, they cooked sea cucumbers uh, they would catch all kinds of fish stingrays I'd never eaten stingray uh, not bad but it's pretty bony <laughs> so if you want to try some different seafood why we can work that out I can make that happen I promise <laughs> the, uh, the sea gypsies they don't have citizenship to any country they're not citizens of Thailand uh, they literally live nine months out of the year on their boats. They build these big wooden house boats. And they will travel from Thailand to Burma all the way down to the Nicosia Islands off the coast of India. And they literally island hop and fish. And uh, one of the things the Thai government told us is that if we can get them to live in these homes instead of on their boats, if their kids will go to Thai school then the Thai government will give them Thai citizenship. And so what we've done, uh, as I said, Campus Crusade built the homes, and then in the mornings there's a, a breakfast program. If the kids want to eat breakfast, they come to the center. We build a youth center there as well. The kids get breakfast, and then after breakfast they're put on a boat and they're sent off to school. And so hopefully these kids will, and their parents will see the importance of this, and eventually they'll get Thai citizenship. As I said, this is one of the most challenging works that I've ever done, doing the tsunami work. And um, again, God's just pre provided a tremendous opportunity. Well, Kathy's going to come and share, and uh, she'll tell about her work at the Agape Home Orphanage. And then when she's done, I'll come back and finish up. Good morning. I feel really tall up here. 
I want to share with you a little bit about what I do while we are in Thailand. Um, Rick is off and off to the village, which is about a seven-hour drive one way, so it's difficult for the children and I to go with him as they are involved in school in Chiang Mai. So I kind of keep the home fires burning, and at the same time, God has provided me with an opportunity to use my nursing skills at a place called the Agape Home. Agape Home is a home for HIV-positive orphans. It was founded about 12 years ago by Roy and Avis Rideout. And <clears throat> my position at the Agape Home is called Healthcare Coordinator. So I oversee the health and the well-being, um, the medical needs of the children at Agape Home. Being HIV-positive, I'm sure you can imagine the different uh, issues we deal with um, because of HIV. This is the main home where the children live. We can take up to 100 children. Right now we have 72 children. We're kind of financially constrained to 72. We need to hire more staff before we can take in more children. So as we raise more funds, then we'll be able to bring on more staff. We just want you to meet some of our children. Mai is uh, she's almost 12 years old, and we're very excited about Mai because you know, she's going to be our first on-purpose HIV adoption. We've never had one of our HIV children adopted before. All of our children that are negative, you may not be aware that children that are born to HIV-positive mothers will also be born HIV-positive, but 70% of them will revert and become negative once the mother's antibodies pass out of their system. So the children that become negative then are placed with international families and they are adopted. But this will be our first HIV-positive adoption. We have a lot of children with a lot of different needs. Kawik and B are two of our sicker children. Kawik, right now, as I speak, is in the hospital again. He spends a lot of time in the hospital. He has a very uh, severe illness with his lungs as a result of the many HIV and related infections that he's had. B has the same type of, of illness he has, but she's made a lot of progress, and she's really come a long way over the years. So we're really praying that uh, Kawik will be able to, to recover as she has. Uh, I spend the greater part of my day, I, spend, I work three days a week at the Agape Home, and the greater part of my day is spent just assessing the children, checking their lungs and their ears, and looking for any new things that crop up. With HIV, obviously, you have a, a depressed uh, or no immune system at all, so our children tend to catch anything and everything that comes along. So once a week, I do a physical assessment on each of the children along with two other nurses that work with me. I don't do that by myself. That would be overwhelming. And I'm also in charge of making sure that the children get the medications that they need. So I have four nurse aides that are Thai that work with me, and they help to set up the medications every day and make sure the children get those. We have to follow up with doctor's appointments. The children need regular visits to our HIV specialist. And they also have regular routine things like blood draws, all the things that go along with having a severe illness such as HIV. So that takes up the greater part of my days at the Agape Home. My favorite part is actually spending time with the children. And I don't get as much time uh, doing that as I would like to, but uh, we do have opportunities to have Bible study with the children. We also have uh, worship time, prayer time with them. And so the staff, are, we're constantly looking for ways where we can plug into the spiritual lives of the children as well. Being a Christian home, obviously our number one goal at Agape Home is to raise up godly young men and women. And we want to do that uh, because we know that the future of Thailand really hangs on the youth of her country. Where it used to be that HIV children would live up to about four or five years of age and then they would die uh, 
because of AIDS-related illnesses. Now, because of the newer medications, the ARV medications that we have, our children are not dying anymore. As a matter of fact, we have not lost a child to HIV in the last, I would say, five years. And I think this is an incredible testimony to the power of God, for one thing, to uh, provide all that we have available to us, but also I believe it's because God has a purpose and a plan for our children. One of the things that our children really struggle with, and more than the HIV, is the rejection that they have felt as a result of being um, placed in an orphanage. They've been, they've been uh, left there for one reason or another, whether it's because their parents, who were also HIV positive, were su- too sick to care for them, or perhaps they've already died. Um, in other situations, it's abuse. There's all kinds of reasons why our children are there. But regardless of the reason, the number one issue in our children's lives is the fact that they've been given up, the fact that they have felt uh, either unloved or not good enough or not lovable because of their orphanage status. So the number one thing that we want to really pour into our kids' lives is that they do have a plan and a purpose and that they are very loved and that uh, Jesus will heal those wounds Uh, But he's also got a purpose for them, and we just really believe that that purpose is to to raise up godly young men and women in the agape home to send them out to be ambassadors for Christ. And we believe that this generation of children at the agape home is going to be the wave that helps to sweep through Thailand and bring their Thai brothers and sisters to Christ. So we just want to continue to encourage them in their faith and give them an opportunity to have life. This is what used to be. Uh, Dengua, who came to us about seven years ago, uh, when she came to us, she had tuberculosis in her stomach, she had herpes around her mouth, she had oral thrush, she had numerous things, those were just a few, and I really thought we would not have her long, but God has continued to work, and not only in her, her life physically, but he's continued to work in her life spiritually, and she has recovered now. She's still HIV positive, but she's recovered to the point of what our HIV specialist calls normal health for an HIV child. She's very strong. Her immune system is within the normal ranges, but more than that, Dengua has such a sweet spirit about her, and she is our, our little ambassador. We have a lot of visitors that come to Agape Home every year, both Christian and non-Christian. And, and she is truly uh, the love of Christ embodied because she is one of the most lovable souls that we have at Agape Home. And I know that she is just a perfect example of what God is redeeming physically to raise up and send her out and uh, use her to lead others to Christ. So we're excited about that. So we've got to get busy now and start planning for their future. And this is uh, our future vision for our children at Agape Home. You saw the big building that we have our 72 children in. Uh, What we're doing now is the next phase is the Agape Village. So now we're building family-style homes, and we want to take the children from the large building six at a time, and we'll put them in one of these homes with a Thai or Farang, hopefully Thai Christian parents. Uh, As I said, the number one issue in our children's lives is that they don't have their mom and dad anymore. So the prospect of having even foster parents is so overwhelming for them. They are so excited. I wish I could convey to you. I can't even understand fully their excitement. But as I talk to them about it and I hear them talk about it, it's easy to see how excited they are about being able to be in a home, a normal 
family-style home with a mom and a dad, even though they are not their, their birth parents, and have an opportunity to know what a normal family looks like, how a mom and a dad interact with their children, how a husband and, and wife interact with each other. They need to have these life experiences as well so that they can also be godly parents and a husband and wife. So we want to provide this opportunity for them as well. We've constructed the first four homes. Those are very nearly complete. We just have to fit them out. We have foundations in for two more homes. We can build up to 19 homes. So we just ask that you continue to pray with us. The, the number one key to making this work is, is finding godly parents for these children, foster parents. So we just ask that you would pray with us that God will raise up Thai men and women that will have a heart to not raise these children for two years or five years, but make a lifelong commitment to these children. Okay, I think that's all I have. As we go through these last few pictures here, um, you can kind of get a feel for the darkness that Kathy and I work in in Thailand. As I said, the country is 97% Buddhist. Um, it's all about good works. Of course, Buddhists believe in karma. They believe in reincarnation. And so to come back in the next life to improve, to upgrade your life in the next life, it depends on the works that you do in this life. And so constantly... These people live in fear. They live in never knowing if they have done enough to improve their next life. It is an unsure thing that they, that they live with every, every day. And, of course, we live just the opposite. We know that Christ has done it all. There is nothing that we can do. And because of that, because of His grace and His mercy... We are able to be kingdom builders for the Lord. As I close, I just want to share a little personal testimony with you. Um, as I said from the very beginning, we, we wanted to update you and, and you know give you all the, the details and share with you a lot about our work. And Kathy will be, and I will be out here to answer questions. But more importantly than that, we want to, as I said, we want to encourage you. I know that there are some of you sitting here today that God is calling you out of your comfort zone. He's wanting you to do something for Him. And it may be fear that's holding you back. And I want to share with you some things that I wrote in this Bible 20 years ago. It was on a, a Sunday morning in July, and we were on the next day, on the next, that Monday after that Sunday morning, I was putting Kathy and our two older kids, who were younger kids then, on a plane flying halfway around the world. And I'm sitting in church on that Sunday morning, and I'm scared to death. In fact, I was sitting in the back of the church. I cannot tell you today what happened in church that Sunday morning. I did not hear one song. I did not hear the sermon that was preached. That whole time, I was wrestling with God. And I'm having this conversation with God. And I'm saying, what in the heck am I doing? <laughs> Tomorrow morning, I'm taking my family to a country to live in the jungle, to live in a place of danger and 
unknown fears that I couldn't even put into words. And I'm, I'm, I'm asking God, what, what is going on? Why, why are you doing this? And I honestly did not know if I could get on that plane that next morning. Well, God began to say some things to me, and I wrote it down in this Bible. As you can see, it's held together with duct tape now, another use for duct tape that won't be on the, on the commercial. <laughs> but here's what God said to me. God, first of all, asked me a question. He said, Rick, what is danger? And, of course, through my mind, I'm going through snakes and disease and... <laughs> you know bandits I'm going through all kinds of things of what danger is and God says no he says this is what danger is he said danger is anything that or anyone who attempts to draw you away from my will and then God told me this he said the most secure and safest place to be is in my will regardless of the danger that surrounds you and you know in that moment in that moment sitting in my little home church in Rushville, Indiana I realized that it would be more dangerous for me to keep my family in Rushville, Indiana than it would be to take them to the jungles of Thailand and I tell you peace came over me and not only a peace but a boldness a courage that I had never experienced before. And in that moment, I knew, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God's protection, His hand, His blessing, everything that we would need to sustain our family in Thailand, God was going to provide it. It was His promise to us. And so this morning, I want to encourage you with that. If God is saying something to you, I want you to know that in his will you will find everything you need you will experience an adventure that you cannot even begin to, to imagine and God will build his kingdom through you would you pray with me Father this morning we want to thank you thank you for your awesome 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 love and grace and mercy Father it just amazes me that you would choose to use people like us. Father, we are so weak and frail. We fail time and time again. And yet, Father, you have chosen to use us as the vessels to tell your story, to build your kingdom. Father, I pray this morning that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. Father, that you would give us a boldness, that you would give us, Father, a a courage that lets us know that there is no corner of this world that there is nothing that can detour deter father your kingdom being built and that father as you send us forward as you send us out as we go through this life you will accomplish your perfect will lord we love you and i pray that you would bless this church Father, that you would use these brothers and sisters right here at Cross Lane. Oh, Father, to change this world, to change this community, change their families. And I pray these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Thanks for visiting. We hope you've been encouraged. Please
please feel free to visit us online at clcchurch.com.